Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and Stavs brought you all last episode. I was out. I had a couple things I had to take care of. But today, we're hopping to the most fun and interesting team in baseball, the Dodgers. And the Padres are there, too. We're going to kick it off with the Padres. They had one of the biggest off-seasons. I think they've just come out of absolutely nowhere. And it's crazy. When you have an owner who's willing to spend money, you can build a team. How are you doing today, Tom? Doing pretty good. I think these two teams are both World Series contenders. I think they're both in that conversation. So it's a definitely a change of uh, conversation from the last episode, talking about the Rockies and the Red Sox. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited because this is your team. I get to talk trash on your team. Yeah, so we'll get to talking trash about the Dodgers. I'll join you for a little bit later. Um, <laughs> okay. But we're going to kick it off with the San Diego Padres, who last season, they won 89 and 73. Uh, I think we all kind of projected them last year to like bounce back from their pretty disappointing 2021 uh there's still a couple things that went wrong mainly that fernando tatis wasn't there the entire season he was injured and then uh he had ringworm uh in quotes for those listening via podcast not on youtube and they defeated the dodgers in the postseason though which is kind of like their holy grail i think they kind of won that season for them yeah and i think coming back from 2021 kind of a season where even players in their own system were butting heads i think Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado had issues, you know, coming back and, and, you know, making a postseason run like that is kind of a confidence booster for them. I'm curious how they go into the next season and kind of play as like, will they be a regular season team? Will they be another team that just barely sneaks into the postseason? Yeah, I could, I don't know. I mean, the ceiling is that they could hundred percent be the team that takes the West this year. I think we're both, or all three of us, Devs not being here today are kind of leaning that right now, given what we've seen. But obviously, you've also seen with Fernando Tatis that they could fall out of postseason contention pretty early. So in the offseason, uh, Tom, talk us through who's out, and I'll talk us through who's in. All right, so going out is Will Myers declined the uh, 23 option. He obviously went to the Reds. Uh, Josh Bell in free agency went to the Guardians. <laughs> Mike Clevenger went to the White Sox, and that was a great move for them because they don't have to worry about him anymore. Uh, Brandon Drury went to the Angels. That was another big bat in the lineup that's gone. And they only had him for about half a season, so that's not too much of an impact one. Pierce Johnson to the Rockies. Sean Manaya to the Giants. We're going to have a big breakout next year. We'll talk about that at the end of the season when he's when he's the Cy Young. Uh, and then Jerk Singh Profar is still a free agent. Yeah, I think the biggest one here is Brandon Drury. Uh, he is the biggest impact player, and he kind of just, like, he could fill in anywhere in that infield because his team, uh, it has shown injuries in the past, especially with Tatis. Uh, Machado, he's knock on wood been healthy but he is getting a bit up there you could just give him some dh days uh with brennan at third base but he is now gone on the angels speaking of manny machado though he signed an 11 year 350 million dollar extension basically he's made half a billion dollars from the san diego padres over the over the length of his two contracts speaking of contracts you darvish gets a six-year 108 million dollar extension this is his third six-year contract he signed uh, that's pretty crazy, in all honesty. Uh, they re-signed Robert Suarez to a five-year, $46 million contract. That was really questionable, giving a reliever with not much of a track record five years. What do you think about that? I mean, relievers are more like, um, you know, they fluctuate over their career. I don't know about a five-year deal for a relief pitcher like that, especially a guy that hasn't really proven that he's consistent. I think next season is going to be a big teller whether this deal is worth it or not. Yeah, like if you think about it, he got more money than a Tyler Anderson. And I don't really know if I agree with a move like that. Uh, they re-signed Nick Martinez to a three-year, $26 million contract. We saw him throw uh, for Team USA. Was it last night or two nights ago? Two nights ago. Yeah, uh, he yeah. kind of stunk it up against Team yeah. Mexico. Uh, so that's not a good sign because he's supposed to be in that starting rotation. And their biggest move of the offseason, other than the Machado extension, was they went out and they signed Xander Bogarts just out of nowhere to an 11-year, $280 million contract. Do you like this? It was at like 1230 in the morning too. And I mean, I think we forget that, I mean, beyond the moves that they actually completed, they offered a bunch of stars money like that. They offered Trey Turner. They offered Aaron Judge. They both decided to go different places. But this Xander Bogarts one just feels like another guy that they were going, they were just going down a list of players that they wanted to get in the offseason. And they were just throwing out money anywhere. And I, I don't know if how I feel about it because this is a guy that by the end of his contract will be – 41 years old or 40 years old it's it's not i'm not sure how it's going to hold up and how it's going to look at the end but they got their star shortstop for the next 11 years 
Yeah, and the thing that kind of worries me about that contract, right, is he is on the other side of 30 now already, like before he signed that contract. And it's definitely a possibility that we've already seen the best Sandra Bogarts. Yeah, and he has he has one of the best hit tools we've seen from shortstop in, in our entire lifetime. But I don't know I don't know about signing a guy above 32 to a above 10 year deal, like a double digit deal. That just that's a little sketchy to me. I would have I would have looked for more of like a seven or eight year contract, but I mean they wanted to lock him down. And I guess that's what they did. And they they really don't care about money at this point. I think a lot of the things with the Padres is also like they try and lower the AAV, and that's how they're able to get, you know. Machado, Darvish, Bogarts, Tatis, like they're he's, they're able to keep that money low because they have it for so long. I think they offered Judge what twelve years, eleven years. Yeah, it was twelve. It was twelve years, like four hundred. Yeah. actually more than that, but yeah. And that's again, that's reserved, especially for someone of Aaron Judge's stature. Uh, yeah. They signed Matt Carpenter to a two-year, twelve million contract. It's a one-year opt-out. Fine, cool. They're going to pair him with Nelson Cruz that they got for one year, one million. Like, again, fine, cool. And then uh, they have two more the starting pitchers that are actually part of the rotation right now. Michael Walker, four years, 26 million. I don't know if you want to be counting on him for four years of starting pitching. I, I don't know. I was actually kind of puzzled why he didn't go off the board earlier. He was very good last year. I mean, not like a star pitcher, but he was a guy that could be a four or five pitcher. I mean, he's not like... He's not a guy that I would have expected to be on the boards for what two or three months before he went off, especially considering who else went off the board before him. Yeah. No, the thing with Michael Walker that just concerns me is the 332 ERA looks pretty good, you know, 127 quality innings with a 456 expected ERA. Yeah, there's yeah. some luck going into that. He is a contact <laughs> guy, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's a guy that pitches the contact. So you're gonna get you're gonna get some weird expected stats compared to a you know, like a power pitcher, but I don't know. I, you could see, I mean, there's some serious regression coming for him, but for the money they got him for, mm. it's, it's not, it's not that bad of a deal. And I think Seth Lugo, obviously I, you never, we haven't seen Seth Lugo start like that or go deep into the games. He's, he's more of a relief guy. Um, so that's going to be a little interesting for the Padres. I'm not sure how they're going to run that, but I mean, yeah. they're both good pitchers. Good pick. No, Seth Lugo's curveball is fantastic. Like it generates one of the best whiff rates in all of baseball. It's just, as you said, he hasn't been a starting pitcher since what 2017. So I mean, yeah. We don't really know how that's gonna unfold. So heading into that rotation that we keep talking about, they have you Darvish, who they just extended, probably their ace. I don't think they have an an ace in particular. Uh, but you Darvish, I think we put as their one. They've got Blake Snell as their two. Right now, Joe Musgrove has an extra stubbed toe and he's gonna be out for a little bit. Uh, Michael Walker right now fills into their three. Nick Martinez, their four, and Seth Lugo, their five. I like the uh, the upper half of this rotation. I do not like the second half of it. Yeah, I mean, you, they say defense wins championships, but like this this offense is so good that I think this this rotation is almost good enough to make up for it. I I and I I think we're talking down on Walker th four through six in this in this six man rotation. Um. I don't know how it's going to hold up. Obviously there is some injury concern everywhere. We're starting pitching. Now they're injured. Pitchers are getting injured at a higher rate than ever. So it's a, it's a little concerning for them, but I think if you can get a full season from the three at the top, you hope Joe Musgrove doesn't stub his toe again. Um, <laughs> you, that That is going to be a good enough season for them. And they have these, these three guys at the bottom half of the rotation that can honestly eat innings. I don't, I don't know about how are they going to approach this? Cause are they going to expect Seth Lugo to go five innings? I don't know. Well, once Joe Musgrove is back, you could probably piggyback Martinez and Lugo. That's true. Yeah, he could run a five with just piggybacking dudes. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's a good, it's a good rotation. There's just one lefty, right? It's just Snell in that rotation. Yeah, and Snell hasn't thrown a complete season since 2018. Yeah, so you can almost pencil him in for an injury at some point. Um, and then the bullpen, they have. If you want to give anyone their ace, it's Josh Hader, Robert Suarez, Luis Garcia, the not the big wind-up one, not the one on the Cardinals, this one, um, not the one on the Nationals either. Uh, they got Drew Pomeranz, Stephen Wilson, Tim Hill, unique pitcher. I think he's like top in 85 nowadays. Nabil Chrismat and Jose Lopez. 
the pitching is really not the strength of this team, but if it's pitching to contact and the Padres were the third best team via outs of average, it'll play. Yeah, I mean, this is it's it's not that bad of a bullpen. It's pretty versatile, actually. You got you got some you got a power lefty in Josh Hader, and then you got guys that pitch the contact. It, it's it's pretty versatile. I don't know how reliable it's going to be, but it's 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 on the top half of the of the baseball spectrum. It's it's on the higher end. Yeah, and a lot of those are returning names. I'm just trying to find what their uh, bullpen ERA was from last year. I'm pretty sure it wasn't horrible and it wasn't great. I know it definitely wasn't helped by Josh Hader coming over the first part. Um, let's see. They ranked one, two, three. Oh, this thing. They were San Diego. Pretty middle of the pack. They were right below Toronto and right above Minnesota. So, yeah, pretty middle of the pack. Um, just not horrible. And then, again, Josh Hader looked like himself his last couple outings and in the postseason where I think he struck out every single batter he faced. Um, and he didn't face Bryce Harper for some reason. Um, that's a questionable thing right there. But it's also like this is a solid team with a really good manager too, though. I make the Josh Hader point and then say that, but – I mean, it's 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 a well it's a well coached team, and these guys in the bullpen aren't scrubs either. I think you can you can lean pretty heavily on Josh Hader. He's been leaned on before in that Brewers organization. They called him almost every night. It was like he was always that guy that they would go to. I think it was just a confidence thing, and you mentioned it was a mechanics thing too. Mm. I I can I can say with confidence, I think Josh Hader's back. Um, we'll just have to see a full season from him. He he always comes out of the gate hot, and then he always has some sort of mid season problem where his his hits per nine go up or something happens, but I just, I just want to see a full season from him. Well, you speak so highly on this lineup. What's it looking like? All right. So we got Xander Bogart's shortstop, uh, Juan Soto at left field, Manny Machado at third base. That is, that's probably the hardest uh, first three batters to face in a lineup. Uh, then batting fourth, you got Jake Cronenworth. You got Nelson Cruz at the DH. And then we got Matt Carpenter in right field. But once Fernando Tatis comes back, he will be slotting in there and he will be probably hitting fourth. Yeah, underrated Ha Young Kim at second base, Trent Grisham in center field, and Austin Nola catcher. And then for that bench, you got Luis Camposano, Ruth Neto Dor, Jose Azacar, and Adam Engel. I don't know about the depth on this team, but th- this starting lineup is is quite literally like perfect almost. Yeah. Near, like, near perfect. You've got defense seven, eight, nine. So you're not going to get a ton of offensive production from down there, but you'll make up for it by once Tatis is back, having the best first four in baseball. Yeah, and when you when you go in the offseason and you pick up Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter, you got these two DHs that specialize in hitting the opposite hand. You got Nelson Cruz who crushes lefties, and then you got Matt Carpenter who crushes righties. That that's gonna be a thing midseason when Tatis comes back. They're just gonna flip them around. They're gonna, you know, platoon them to to face the pitchers that they they crush usually. And also with that, they have Adam Angle on the bench who say you're in a big situation, Matt Carpenter's not playing that day, you can pinch hit Matt Carpenter for anyone on that team, and you could have a defensive replacement come in right there. You could have a struggling Haas Young Kim at the plate. Matt Carpenter comes in to hit against a right-handed pitcher. Oh, you have that? Roof and door is now going to go play second base for you. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a very versatile lineup. There's a lot of things you can slot in. I, I like this team. I think even I think they're preparing for bad things to happen because even if do, bad things do happen, they seem to be ready for it. You know, they're going to be ready for something to happen. Yeah, and th- there's just so much potential on this team as well. Like if we get the Bogarts, even the Soto from last year, even though everything points to him being even better, and the Machado from last year, you know, that's almost 20 war right there. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and even even four through seven's very good, and I, I I'm I'm not completely sold on Tatis coming back in spring training. It's not looked like himself, but that's a very limited sample size. He really does have to get comfortable again. Um, but I I think he'll be back, and then you add that guy in the lineup, and then one through four is probably the best one through four in all of baseball too. It's 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 bizarre how they've managed to assemble this, but that's what as you mentioned earlier, spending money does, and, you know, building a good team. Um. I think this team has the potential to be the best record in all of baseball, I, without a doubt. Yeah, I agree. And just to point out one last thing before we go into our predictions, Jake Cronenworth had a bit of a regression last year. And just looking at it briefly, it's like, oh, what's happened? His launch angle increased six degrees. Um, and that's just because he started getting pitched up. And he lost completely all of his run value on forcing fastballs. Like he actually hit sinkers really well. But think about that. You got a guy who's getting pitched up and struggling. When the ball is down, he's going to be able to hit it a little bit better. 
And that's really what yeah. happened to like that's what happened to Jake Cronenworth in 2022. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, a college student at home can see that, then I'm sure the Padres organization is seeing that. I'm sure that's something he's been working on over the offseason. You know, they 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 got to address that. You know, and I think obviously, um, Cronenworth's rookie season was fantastic. So I think if there's any sort of progression forward or you know offseason work on hitting high fastballs, th- there will be some sort of progression there. Yeah. Uh, and he's shown time and time again he's versatile on the field i'm sure he can be versatile at the plate tom kick us off with your san diego padres predictions all right so i got them i think this is only the second 100 win team i got i think that's the only other one i have it's just 162 um i i feel like that's a pretty safe bet it's on the higher end probably but uh i mean it's the padres and they've kind of assembled this slugging team with actually good defense too for the team MVP, I got Juan Soto. Um, he had 11 at-bats before he uh, left for the World Baseball Classic. And in, in those 11 at-bats, he's hitting 727 with a 2,023 OPS. Um, it, clearly, the shift the shift band is working for him. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's still pretty, he's, he's still uh, producing in the World Baseball Classic. So I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's a safe bet. Um, most important player has to be Tatis Jr. It, it has to be him. I mean, he's coming back from not playing baseball for – two seasons or one and a half seasons. Um, you gotta, you gotta see him come back to form. Not even, not even the form he was in 2021, just something, even a shell of himself would be useful. Cy Young, I got you Darvish. There's a couple other guys on this team. You can make a hot take saying Blake Snell will have a bounce back season, but he's just not going to be healthy enough to have a bounce back season. And then I have the breakout and this is, this is a breakout, but it's a re breakout. I have Josh Hader, you know, coming back into form. Brad, yeah, he, he was not very effective midseason. I'm having him re-break out into a reliever of the year type of player. And I think I don't think that's a that's not bad. What what, what do you got to say on that? He re-broke out in September and in the playoffs. Not not long enough. Not long enough. Has to be a full season of re-breaking out. Yep. <laughs> well, on that <laughs> note, Stevs was at 98 and 64. Um, that's also where I am. I'm at 98 and 64 for them. Uh their MVP, Stevs had Juan Soto, as did I. Uh, I think we all have one Soto probably finishing in the top three of our NL MVPs. I think I had him winning the thing last year. Uh, for Cy Young, he was with you, with you, Darvish, and most important, Fernando Tatis. Uh, for his breakout, he put Austin Nola. Um, this is more of just like, there's not really many people that can break out. It's That's why I put Josh Hader, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, cool. Um, That's it. Yeah, my Cy Young was Josh Hader. Because okay. I don't know how much Joe Musgrove is going to have to like, how long he's going to take to ramp up. But that will mean, uh, we didn't point this out, that he's going to be healthier and not as taxed later in the season. Like Joe his Musgrove? arm, yeah, his arm won't be as taxed later in the season. Like the innings won't be as high, which might be beneficial for the postseason. We saw that he could show signs of life and show signs of getting stomped in the postseason. Um, for their breakout, I had Nelson Cruz um i could see him just rebounding a little bit i was just looking at his 2022 stuff and he had his lowest ag- average exit velocity like in his career according to or since Statcast data started getting tracked in 2015 uh which also correlated with a really low launch angle with his highest ground ball rate so the solution launch the ball it's like we haven't talked about this with 18 people i mean yeah and he's also 42 years old he's also like a grandpa it's it's not you know, I, I'm sure he can make some adjustments, but there there is the age factor for this guy. I mean, in his age 41 season, still in the 84th percentile on exit velocity, it's, it's crazy. Um, and he still walks at a good level. So this is what you want from your DH, a guy that's a pure hitter. I mean, he's definitely not good in the field anymore. So I, I think Nelson Cruz will fit in perfectly, especially hitting left-handers. I think especially since he'll be more of a platoon guy. I know in the Nats organization, he was like the everyday guy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, being in a platoon position might make him look even better. You know, like players you mentioned, like Jock Peterson, that hit only hit righties pretty. You know, yeah. I think Nelson Cruz will slot into this lineup and 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 appear to be much better than he is. But that's what exactly what they need. Yeah, I agree. And then for my most important, I actually had Blake Snell, um, because this rotation is either a two man rotation with some questionable arms at the back, or it's just like a one two three of. Dushgrove, yes. Darvish, Musgrove, and Snell. There's a difference if Blake Snell is healthy and good or not. Yeah, and I, I honestly could agree with that just because um, the bats in this lineup are almost replaceable. There's just so much There's so much offensive production in this lineup that losing Tatis really didn't even do that much last season. They still finished almost 90 wins. 
Mm-hmm. And with the offseason acquisitions, they still probably finished at 92 wins without Tatis. So really pitching is important here. I, I could go either way, but I mean, I agree with mine too. Yeah. So I think the first thing we can address is this is a volatile team. Because as I mean, we said, yeah. to kick it off, they could be the best team in the West, if not the whole league. And they could also miss the playoffs. This this team is the Mets of the West. Does that make sense? They they way. spend a lot of money. They choke in the midseason. They you know there's a lot of problems going on. But they both had very similar off seasons where they spent a lot of money, mm. and they both have the highest hopes in baseball. Probably you know they're both probably the number one and number two teams to be projected in wins other than Fangraphs. Um, so I I mean they both have extremely high hopes. I'm just curious if they can live up to it. I don't know if I I'm pretty sure all of them can handle the pressure. I mean they did well in the postseason. I think this team makes great improvement, but I think there's a chance. And I think their floor is right around where they were last season, if not a little bit lower, maybe 85 wins. We'll take that. What do you think for the ceiling, though? You see, I don't think this team is better than the Mets at its best. And I think we said our Mets ceiling was like 108 wins. Um, Yeah. And I would probably put this around like 100, 304 wins, which is still very, very, very good. It's just, I don't think they're better than the 2021 Giants or Dodgers. I don't think they're better than last year's Dodgers. I don't think they're – I think they're comparable to last year's Yankees where the offense can be a little bit better, but the pitching's a little bit worse. Hey, man, that makes me smile, though. You know, The fact that you you compared them to the 2021 Giants, man. You know, the team with Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts, the 2021 Giants who had a bunch of no ones. But it's good to hear you finally admit that they were a good team. I, I it's, it's It really is. They have all the big names now. It's just a matter of – how they play now i mean they, they're all here on the team I, I i'm right there with you i think 104 is about their ceiling if not maybe a little higher but i think that's right about right yeah and so we're gonna hop into the best conversation there's gonna be oh yeah um at least for today the los angeles dodgers are one of the best team organizations of the past decade and you love them or hate them it's true uh the team has got into the postseason they've only won once they got into the postseason every year since 2013 and last year they set their they set the best record since 2001 they set their franchise record of 111 and 51 wins and then they lost because the dodgers choke in the postseason that's what they do evan phillips was the best reliever in the national league and that was their season Freddie Freeman was fantastic. Mookie Betts was fantastic. Trey Turner was fantastic. Their entire starting rotation was fantastic and injured. And then they lost. I mean, the Dodgers are going to Dodger, man. I don't know. Um, I, last season, I thought they were going to break the record the whole season up until, like, the very end. I think they had a couple week, like, weaker weeks. Like, it wasn't even weak months. They, they, they had weak weeks. They never really stumbled and fell. They really only had rough weeks. They didn't. Yeah. They they never really fell over that bad. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So they did lose the most WAR out of any team this offseason. Tom, who'd they lose? Trey Turner to the Phillies. Tyler Anderson to the Angels. Justin Turner with sad face emoji. Brad to the Red Sox. <laughs> Cody Bellinger to the Cubs. I'm not reading. I'm not reading that one. <laughs> Chris Martin to the Red Sox, Andrew Heaney to the Rangers, Craig Kimbrell to the Phillies. Man, the Phillies are just stealing everyone. Um, Joey Gallagher to the Twins. <laughs> yeah, no, they're really not stealing anyone. <laughs> Tommy Canely to the Yankees, and Trevor Bauer is gone. He's in He's... Japan now. <laughs> so Trey Turner is obviously the biggest blow here, but you did, you weren't re-signing Trey Turner. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. His heart was set on the East Coast the entire time. Like the Padres made a very competitive bid and he just he just declined it. I think he got four hundred million from the Padres and he said no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not like you know, you read these names off and the only ones that really hurt are obviously Trey Turner and well, Justin Turner hurts because he's a his Dodgers legend now, but he's not necessarily like the superstar. He was very valuable though. I mean, Andrew Heaney was good last season, but that was truly a breakout, you know. He was he really broke out last year just because of the Dodgers organization. Brad, what yeah. do you think about that? I, Andrew Heaney is a strikeout or home run pitcher. There's nothing else. Yeah, good luck to the Rangers, man. They're gonna have to deal with that. Um, but other than that, these guys that that left are not really like the biggest guys. And I, I mean, you can talk talk about who who they took in in the offseason. And 
I'll, I'll give my take on everything here. All right, so we'll kick it off with the best pitcher of all time. Clayton Kershaw resigns one year and $25 million contract. Um, I mean, when he's healthy, as proven by last year, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. There is no arguing. And he's on it. Honestly, if it weren't for you constantly hearing about him through me, you would also underrate how freaking good he still is. Well, it, good on the field is different than good in general because you can't be good if you're not playing baseball. You know, you got to get consistent outings from him, and we haven't seen that in years, two years probably, right? Uh, 2019. Jeez, man, that's even longer. Okay. I mean, that, there's only that, been that, two full seasons since. That's a little concerning. Yeah, I just I, – I mean, does it correlate? Yes, he's a good pitcher, but, but he has to be pitching, you know, to rack up everything. Um, but obviously the one-year extension or one-year deal um, is a little bit less concerning from an organization, you know, than like a big extension for a guy that's super injury prone. Yeah. And they went and got Shelby Miller. He threw seven innings with the Giants last year and he looked really good. And they get him for the modest price of $1.5 million this year. That's going to be worth itself times four. You know, yeah. I mean, you already know that they, they, they're buying cheap this offseason. I mean, the biggest the biggest one they did was Clayton Kershaw, and that was twenty five million. Uh, just, I mean, they're they're pulling a raise, and I I, I know why, but we'll get to that like in a minute. Why. Um, I do. They signed Jason Hayward to a minor league contract, which looks like a fantastic deal right now. Like he's been stellar through spring training. They kind of reworked his swing, trying to get it back to what it was with the Braves, just trying to minimize the hand movement, minimize the lower body movement, and just let him do his thing, like get the bat to the ball and let the speed and some of the contact play. He's been a star in spring training. I mean, it's not saying too much because it's spring training, but I mean, the way he's been playing, he's going to make the starting lineup, not not the starting lineup, the bench, obviously, but he's going to get some playing time on the Dodgers. And I mean, if he can prove himself, he might earn, earn a starting position on this team. Or at least yeah. the DH. And they got uh, JP Fireisen from the Rays. They had DFA'd him because of injuries. And they also got Alex Reyes uh, for one year, 1.1 million. Those are just two relievers that are going to come back later in the year. The Dodgers have four or five relievers right now that are injured that are just going to come back as like their own trade deadline would actually have without having to trade away any prospects. That's going to be cool when it happens. Uh, and then honestly, the move I'm most excited for, they got Noah Sendergaard for a year and $13 million. We've already seen the fruits of his labor. He's looked fantastic in spring training. I think he's thrown eight innings. He's allowed one walk. He's been very, very good. And it doesn't look like the velocity's back, but it looks like that prime changeup is back. And what did the Dodgers do with Tyler Anderson? They gave him his changeup back. So I like it. Um, we got JD Martinez for a year 10 million. They just traded him for Justin Turner. They got Jimmy Nelson for a year 1.2 million, David Peralta for a year 6.5 million. And the move at the time that just looked like looked really bad was Miguel Rojas uh acquiring him from the Marlins for Jacob Maya. Sure, it was depth, but then Gavin Lux, he got hurt for the whole year. He tore his ACL in spring training, and now Miguel Rojas looks to be the starting shortstop. Yeah, I mean. That's just, I mean, that's just a lucky move, I guess. I mean, you couldn't have expected Gavin Lux to, you know, go down like that. And that obviously tanks their stock just a little bit. But um, Miguel Rojas has been playing well in spring training, right? I mean, he's yeah. been doing pretty well. Very well. So clearly the, the the analytics on this team are crazy. I mean, you can probably help Noah Syndergaard revamp his career a little bit. I remember last season and even the season before, he's not a guy that goes uh, particularly like deep into games. Um, but I mean, if you can get four good innings out of them every day, I think that's pretty valuable. Um, so we have more than four innings out of Noah Syndergaard. I don't, every... I don't think so. I'm going to check. He I'm was also bad game. last year. Checking his game logs, dude. Hold on. All right. Last year, you can't just look straight at last year. It's his first year from Tommy John. He went, all right, in the regular season, over five in pretty much every start, except for the ones where he got shelled. Yeah. Hold on, let's see. Right, he we'll was at... very good in 2018, or 2019 and 2018. 2019, but, uh, he's going almost six and seven innings almost every start. That was before TJ, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I This guy's a mystery to me. I, every time, because ironically, every time I go to a baseball game, whether it was, you know, in Anaheim or at in D.C. watching the Nats, it always seems to be Noah Syndergaard pitching, and he always gets shelled. Maybe it's just the way the way I watch baseball, but it, every time I watch this guy, and it's ironic because I watch him a lot, 
he always gets shelled. I don't know. I'm not that high on him. I'm not sure. He's only 30 years old, so he could have a potential like, you know, like a potential like Justin Verlander E uh second half of his career, you know, where he just somehow, you know, recovers from like a mid-career, you know, stumble. But mm. I don't know. Coming back from TJ is hard. Uh only went 80 innings last season. I think that's uh, that number's obviously gonna go up uh this season, but I'm I'm curious how he makes it back. I, I think if there's any team that he can be on after TJ, it, it's probably the best that he's on the Dodgers, you know, because he'll, he'll, he, I mean, yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah. And so with that rotation, it looks like Clayton Kershaw at the helm. Julio Arias is the two. I'm kidding. It's Arias at the one. But Noah Syndergaard right now projects to be their three, Dustin May their four. And right now, just with some injuries, Ryan Pepio would be the five. Uh, right now, Tony Gonsolin and Walker Bueller are injured. Bueller's probably out for the whole year. Gonsolin has a sprained ankle right now that's supposed to just keep him out through opening day, and then he'll build up as the season goes on, which would be helpful, though, because he was a guy last year that kind of flamed out towards the end. Yeah, I mean, this is this is probably the weakest part of the lineup, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's still really good. <laughs> I'm telling you, Dustin May has the tools of a superstar, but he's not going to be held. I guarantee you he gets hurt again. I'm concerned about the elbow. Another guy I'm concerned about is Clayton Kershaw, obviously. Man, Tony Gonsolin. At this point, Tony Tony Gonsolin, did he go down last year? With yeah, the with elbow the forearm strain. Is he is he good to go now though? Other than yeah. The ankle. Yeah, I, I think that was more of like he had never thrown more than like 55 innings or something like that, and he was at 124, and it just kind of kind of pulled I mean, him. Yeah, I, I think I think it, he was a little overrated. Did he did he start the All Star game? No. Or did was he Clayton Kershaw? He, he came in later. Oh, that's right. He came in later and just stunk it up. But yeah. I, I think I, I think that Tony Gonsolin is a little overrated, but he's a guy that like broke out last year and kind of like elevated his game pretty pretty nicely. Mm. I think he's a good three I think he's a good three starting pitcher, not not anything higher than that, but that's probably where he's gonna fall in. I've not seen much of Ryan Pepiot. Is he is he young? Yeah, Ryan Pepio. Um, Pepio. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's young. Uh, last year, he kind of struggled with his control because during spring training in 2022, they tried to teach him the sweeping slider. And from his motion, it kind of threw off his release point. So he didn't really have his four seam or changeup. Changeup being like his primary pitch. It's got potential for a 70-grade pitch. Um, and right now it's fixed. They kind of, if you look below, we're in like my prospect preview of this team. There's a couple of them. Um, he rediscovered a gyro slider by just changing a thumb placement. And when everything's right, he's got a fastball that plays up to it plays up its velocity because he's got one of the best extensions in the league. Uh, he's only walked one person this spring, which is a really big sign for him. So I like it. God, I just I, I just scrolled down to the prospect central section for <laughs> so long. What did you do? If you look <laughs> under prospect central, the first thing is oh boy. Are, are these all top 100 or what? Yes. No. Wait. Pepio graduated, you, okay. but. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that after we go through the lineup. I got a lot of questions for that. Um, But, I mean, starting rotation, I think, is there going to be the weak point? I, I don't think it's because of talent. I don't think there's any, you know, shortage of talent. I think it's just going to be an injury problem. I think one of these guys is going to go down. And I hope maybe it gives a chance for one of the guys in the farm system to come up. Uh, Bobby. Bob, <laughs> Bobby. Um, I don't know if he's is he is he at that point yet? Is he in double A right now? Bobby's we'll in triple A. Okay. Um, I, right. Yeah. Right ahead, now their bullpen, the best pitcher in the National League, Evan Phillips, best reliever. This excuse guy. me. Oh my he, god. Look, go look at his stuff from last year. It was unbelievable. Go look at a picture of it. He looks like a he looks like a freaking like. He looks like he's gonna like sell a you mail, a used car. Looks like a mailman. Yeah. Um, then you got lefty Alex Vessia, one of the best lefty relievers in the National League. Bruce Dargradwell, 102 mile hour sinkers. Caleb Ferguson, Yency Almonte, Shelby Miller. For some reason, Phil Bickford's still employed, and Jimmy Nelson. I like um, this. Besides freaking Phil Bickford, Bruce Dargradwell, despite throwing 102, gets absolutely lit up sometimes, and he has a very bad control problem. So it's like I'm a little concerned about that. I'm. I'm more excited about the hurt guys, to be honest. I mean, Daniel Hudson, Blake Trinan. Um, I'm not even gonna try to like Alex Reyes. I I always I always mispronounce this guy's name. Fire Eisen. Fire Eisen. He they're all they're all quality relievers. I mean, they're gonna fit in this rotation, I mean this bullpen pretty well. And I think it will turn out to be one of the best bullpens in baseball. Um, but that yeah, obviously that's not where my concern lies. It's in the rotation. I just 
but this bullpen's fantastic. If, you, if the starter can make it four innings, this bullpen's got it from there. They're very, they're very deep. Yeah, and you mentioned Bruce Dargradel has a bad walk rate. Um, it was one of the best nope. in baseball. Oh man, hold on. I th- and not best in baseball, but it was pretty good. It was four point six percent, which is not bad at all. Uh, he just his thing is he doesn't strike a lot of people. I've been at two forty seven expected ERA last year. That's not bad at all. His thing is health. Uh, he's last year he threw the most innings he's ever thrown. And it was only it wasn't even fifty. It's just he's a confusing guy. Usually with high velocity guys, you see like a high strike guy, right? He's like a power pitcher type of guy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't strike people out, and it's just it's just weird. I don't know what what is it? He's not a pitch to contact guy, is it's he? Soft contact though. His average exit velocity was eighty five miles an hour. Yeah, because he's a sinker baller. Yeah, that just uh, destroys your hands. Not even runs in. It destroys your hands. He is very young. He's only twenty four. So I mean, yeah, they can they still have time to develop him into. I mean. I, I think when when he was initially traded, he was like projected to be like that guy or you know like the closer for the Dodgers in the future, mm-hmm. and he could still be that. Um, it's just he hasn't really taken the step yet, and I think he will soon. I'm mm-hmm. not sure about this season though. I mean, Evan Phillips has pretty much solidified that spot. Not really, because last year the Dodgers have deployed their best relievers in the biggest situations. That's why Craig Kimbrell was never put in before the ninth inning. Um, I like this bullpen. It's an analytically driven team, so it's going to have a good bullpen. That's kind of just how it works nowadays. Yeah, and then there's I, the I wish. Yeah, Tom, what's that lineup? Uh, rivaling the Padres starting three or four, we got Mookie Betts batting first, right field. Freddie at first. Will Smith at catcher. Max Muncy at third base, overrated. Uh, JD Martinez at DH. David Peralta in left. Trace Thompson in center. Miggy Vargas at second, and then Miggy Rojas at shortstop. Miggy, Do you refer Miggy to both of them as Miggy? Miggy Miggy yeah, up yeah, the Miggy, yeah. God. Austin Barnes at catcher on the bench. Yanni Hernandez, Chris Taylor, and Jason Hayward. I've never heard of Yanni Hernandez before. They got him from the athletics. It It's going to be James this offseason. Um, James Outman? If it's not James Outman, I will personally drive to – or I'll, I'll drive to Chavez Ravine myself and yell at Andrew Friedman. Be honest with me. Do you think do you think David Peralta deserves a spot and left over James Alvin? Have you seen how good right David now? Peralta has been this season, this spring training and World Baseball Classic? That is true. But in the regular season, he is, actually, is he a guy that's going to be impacted by the shift? Is he a guy that, that pulls baseballs at a, a high rate? I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. He's a dodger. You can throw pretty much everything out the window. If a guy struggles, I mean, reinvent him. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the spot that's most open on this team is probably left field and center field for Trace Thompson and David Peralta, but both of them have been absolutely balling out in the World Baseball Classic. So it's like there's not much room on this team. I mean, more room than last season because last season was an all-star team. But mm-hmm. I think n- now more than ever, these guys got to come up eventually. It's or you're, you're wasting talent on the minors right now. Or um, I mean, just wait for the trade deadline when Corbin Burns is available. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? You're gonna trade. You're, you would you would trade like James Alvin away for for Corbin Burns in a heartbeat. That's fair. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's starting pitching desperately. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how desperately we need that when we head down to Prospect Central. We got Bobby Miller as our number one graded guy he's been we've been hearing about him for a while even tom knows about him and that's saying a lot fastball sits 97 oh, yeah. <laughs> 98 for 67 innings uh in 2022 he threw 112 and a third innings pitch with a 31 percent strikeout percentage and only eight percent walk still not great for the walks but it's not bad he has a brand new curveball which has the ceiling to be his best pitch and remember he sits 97 to 98 he's got a mid 80s splitter a low 90s slider like Potential ace here. We got Gavin Stone, who honestly is my favorite of all the Dodgers prospects. He's got a potential 70-grade changeup. Um, it, it's fantastic. He's young. He's good. He's got great control with above-average stuff. Uh, there's been recent stuff. You know, you know, Sarah's, you know, Stuff Plus? Like the whole, ooh, it moves. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it moves. Uh, basically, it determined that if your stuff is really good, that's more likely an indicator that you're going to be good better than you have like good control. But when you have both of them, <clears throat> Jason DeGrom, <clears throat> Sandy Alcantara, St- uh, Gavin Stone, uh, you're going to be one of the best pitchers in the major leagues. He's got among the highest swinging strike rates, swinging strike rates. Good job, Brad. In all of minor league baseball, 
Uh, you got James Altman. He's got a career 1409 OPS in Major League Baseball. Um, I think that's just Bonzian right there. Uh, he's got above average speed and quality defense, high strikeout rate, and a very consistent OPS throughout the minor leagues. Michael Bush. Yeah, there's a lot of them here. There's a lot of them because the Dodgers have a deep prospect system. We're number two in the league. Okay. Isn't that nice, Tom? Uh, okay. And, and Michael Bush has a ceiling of 30 fielding, a 30 grade feeling. That's really bad. He kind of projects as a DH. Uh, he's max months. See, one max months. He's good without the defense. And then lastly, Miguel Vargas. Damn, that's a lot of them. He's going to be good. He's an opening day starter for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He is a doubles header with good contact, and he's a Mark Canna comparison. Let's remember, Mark Canna, while you and Stephen may cook on him, has posted an average of 3.2 F4 the past three full seasons. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm just... I'm just now looking at this. It's like, you're, you're suffering from success here, man. You, you, you're not... You're, you're, you're like... You're impacting the careers of these extremely talented players by going out and buying out these these stars that would start on LB lineups. So you're just keeping these guys in the minors. I, I James Alman, Miguel Vargas, Bobby Miller, they should all be at the major league level, I think, right now. And they should have probably at the last season too. James Altman played great last year. All these guys are just trapped down there. I I, I almost think it's bad for you guys because you, the sooner you get these guys up, the more comfortable they're going to get in the pro level. You know, what do, what do you think about, like, the future of this team? Do you think you're just going to go keep buying out players or keep trading for players or, you know, extending players? Or do you think you're going to eventually you, – you've mentioned it a lot. You're like, you got to let the young guys play, but there's not that much room to let the young guys play. I mean, the only really young guy on this team now is Miguel Vargas going up. So you, I, I would like – I mean, I'm not, I'm a Giants fan. I'm fine with them, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. But I think you got to give Alvin a chance. you got to give Stone a chance. you got to give Bobby Miller a chance. A lot of these guys are, are restricted. Stone and Miller need a bit of like tuning in the minor league still. They're probably 2024 20, pitchers, um, yeah. which I'd be perfectly fine with. James Outman, I want in the opening day outfield. I don't really care much for Michael Bush, in all honesty. He can go get sent to another team. Uh, Miguel Vargas, you know what? He's going to be in the opening day roster. There's playing opportunity right there, which just leaves Ryan Pepio. Uh, I'd like to see him get consistent outings this season, whether it's in a long relief role or he's starting pitcher six. They go to a six-man rotation, which I think would be really good for their health. Um, I just want to see Ryan Pepio get a genuine chance this year. If he and James Outman don't get genuine chances, then it's the Dodgers shooting themselves in the foot, not giving their young kids a shot. That's what I'm saying, dude. And just before we get into our projections, uh, the reason that they're not spending is so that they can have the biggest offseason in history next season. This is, you know, it's the most unexpected thing to see the Los Angeles Dodgers not dropping hundreds of millions of dollars in the offseason. Brad, are you against the Shohei move next year? Yes. Yes? Yes. Why? Oh, you think he's going to like a lot of money? It's going to be so much money for one, but for, for two, I think that there's just a lot of things that the Los Angeles Dodgers could go after. I think Shohei Otani, I believe in him. He's fantastic. He's proven he's the best baseball player in the world, if not Mike Trout. But you don't know how this ages. No one's ever done this before. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if his arm flames out or if his, you know, if his arm flames out or something happens on the pitching side, he can always just become a full-time hitter, full-time left fielder. But at the same time, not only does Shohei bring talent, but he also brings in a very large fan base, which would also generate a lot more money too. So, and Brad, it's happening whether you like it or not. I think I know. I, I think with, without a doubt, it's happening. They're saving so much. I mean, Brad, they, they're they're buying these guys out for like one million dollars. Like the 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 deals they did this offseason were, you know, expected of of teams like the Guardians. You know, not not spending that much money. So, okay, but would you clear, spend a would you spend five million dollars on Shelby Miller. Oh, Brad, I'm saying they're scheming, dude. They're scheming. They're getting ready. They're getting ready for something, man. They're building something here. And I still think they have a chance to win the NL West. And that's saying something. But I, I obviously think it's going to the, the Padres. Brad, lead us off with the predictions. All right. The Mighty Dodgers are going to go 94 and 68. I think that it's a fair representation. I think they're among the best teams in the National League. But Part of my projection is we're going to let the young guys play. We're going to give them an opportunity to fail, but there's still, you know, Freddie Freeman, top five player in baseball, Mookie Betts, top 10 player in baseball. 
Like, there's still those guys. Will Smith is a top three catcher in baseball. You have all these guys in pretty important positions on the field as well, might I add, that can give the young guys support and leadership to develop. Uh, for their MVP, I have Freddie Freeman. He's one of the best pure hitters in baseball, and it doesn't really get recognized as much as it should. Uh, for their Cy Young, I'm going to be lame and put Julio Arias, but I don't want to be lame, so let's just say Noah Syndergaard. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, for their breakout, I put James Altman slash Ryan Papio. Uh, you got to go with one of the rookies somewhere. Uh, Stevs didn't do that. And then for most important, I did put Julio Arias. He's got to be the, like, got to throw 170, 180 innings, quality innings too. Yeah, I mean, I'm nearly right there with you. I'm a little, a little confused about the most important player. I mean, obviously having Julio Arias pitch a ton of innings is important, but um. I'll mention him in a second. I got him going 92 and 70, only two wins below Brad. Um, I think that's close to – I think they're, they're, this team has such a low, uh, a high floor. Um, I think they're a little bit more reliable than teams like the uh, the Padres and the Mets. Uh, I got their MVP being Freddie. Uh, it's got to be Freddie. He's, as Brad mentioned, very underrated at this point. I mean, he's just a pure hitter. Doesn't doesn't do much. I mean, he actually feels pretty well too. He's probably – he's the best first baseman in baseball. We already talked about that. Go watch that episode. Um but for the most important player, it has to be Clayton Kershaw because if you can get 120 innings out of this guy, that is so much more important than getting 180 innings out of Julio Arias. I, I mean, because as you mentioned, Brad, if if you are standing by this, Clayton Kershaw when he's healthy is better than Julio Arias, right? Yeah. So, so Clayton Kershaw being healthy is more important than Julio Arias. So you're asking season. Clayton Kershaw to repeat his last season? No, I'm, I'm I'm expecting him to. Well, if he's pitching, he will repeat what he did last season. I'm saying. He can if he can survive more than 120. Wait, did he pitch 120 innings last season? 126. Okay, go 150 or 180 or something. We I'm need, okay, we need, okay with 180. They, they, <laughs> they need innings from him. I don't know what is his max. Well, let me look up Clayton Kershaw. Um, what's the max he's ever gone? It's 213. He, 213? Yeah, was that in his MVP season? No, that was 2015 when Jake Arrieta won the Cy Young Award. That was such a good Cy Young race, though, man. We got to talk Chief about Arietta that. was really not that good that year. That was such a good race, though. There's so, so many guys. Oh, man. There's so many guys that season. Dude, he went 232 innings one, one year. Oh, my gosh. He used to be a guy that would just go 200 innings every year. Yeah. 233, then 227, then 230. Yeah, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting my most important Clayton Kershaw stealing at about 175 innings. If you can get that from him, that is value. That is the most important thing that this team needs. Um. Cy Young, boring, Julio Urias. Um, Brad, I love Julio Urias. He's in a contract season two, so he's got something to prove. Um, he's going to be great. You already know. Uh, I went Miguel Vargas for breakout. Uh, I mean, keeping it different, I guess. I like his tools. Uh, I watched that. Brad, you watched that Mookie Betts vlog? No, I haven't uh, he's, he's hitting with He's hitting with Miggy Vargas. He's pretty, he's pretty likable. You know, the characters on this team are pretty likable, but I got Miggy breaking out his first season. Is his, is his hand good now? Can he swing now? Yeah. He's so okay. I so, think his first like 20 at bats in spring training, he couldn't, he couldn't hit. swing, yeah, yeah. And now <laughs> yeah. his batting averages are already almost back at 300. Yeah, so he'll, he'll be all right. And I think, I think this guy, along with Altman, is another guy that was just waiting to come up and you know, being blocked off by you know, uh, not only Trey Gavin Lux, Turner. but also Trey Turner, yeah. <laughs> so, I, this is a guy that's been waiting for his opportunity. I think he's going to capitalize here this season. Yeah, and so Stavs had them at the highest of any of us at 96 and 66. Um, very foreseeable. We're all kind of in the same range. Uh, MVP Freddie Freeman, Cy Young, Julio Urias. Wow. This is shocking. Yeah. For the breakout, he had Jason Hayward. What the heck? Okay. Um, you know, that's not the worst take considering how good he's playing. I just don't know how he's going to hold it up for an entire season. I mean, we haven't really seen a good season from Jason Hayward since, what, like 2019, 2018? Probably longer than that, actually. That's generous. That, that's being generous. It's been a very long time since we've seen this prime Jason Hayward. And even in his prime, he wasn't really regarded as the best hitter. He was regarded as, you know, an elite fielder. Um, remember when the Cubs won the World Series and he was like, man, I deserve this. And he hit like a buck 67 or something like that in the playoffs. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, this guy for his career has a, has a WOBA at 313, which is... Is that is that below average or is that about average? It's below average. So, I mean, even in his prime in like 2016, 2017, he was still around that range. So he really never was that that hitter that people maybe are comparing him to. I think his prime was more defensive oriented. Um, I don't know if he still got that. He's in his age, what, 33 season. 
I see the potential for an offensive breakout, but I'm not sure how good he is in the field anymore. I haven't really, we haven't really seen a full season from him in the field in a while. Yeah. And but I mean, the career 39 outs above average is wild. Yeah. And then lastly, Stevs had Miguel Rojas as their most important. It's just mainly shortstop as a whole. Um, I would like to disagree with that. Uh, I think Miguel Rojas <laughs> will be perfectly fine. He's going to hit league average and play a really good shortstop, but he's not the most important piece. The Dodgers can always go out and fill that spot if they need to. Miguel Vargas is literally a shortstop who's going over to second base. Um, I mean, shortstop yeah. will be fine. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do some weird. They're gonna do um. You know what they're gonna do, Brad? They're gonna go biggest package deal of all time. They're gonna do Willie Adamez and Corbin Burns for your entire farm system. What What would you think about that? That that is a potential. I, think I would do. All right, Dodgers trade deadline, and then we'll wrap up this episode. Dodgers trade deadline. The Brewers are out of contention. Willie Adamas and Corbin Burns for Bobby Miller, James Outman, um, and probably one more. Bush, you sneak Bush in there, right? Yeah, probably Bush and maybe a lower tier starting pitcher that's not on this list. Maybe yeah, um, I mean, that's gonna be quite what's the, the kid's name. Uh, whoever we drafted in 2022, his name is 2022 Dodgers first round pick. What first, pick did you guys have? You guys have the like you guys have the last pick or yeah. one of the last picks, right? Uh oh, we didn't have a first round pick this year. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I think we went over the the thing a little bit too much in 2021 uh the dodgers dalton rushing catcher uh we have enough catchers our best prospect is diego cartaya who's also a catcher we also also have will smith uh dalton rushing michael bush bobby miller and like guy guyerson for corbin burns and willie adamas thank you all for listening to the foray baseball podcast we will see you all tomorrow we'll be talking about the baltimore orioles and the tampa bay rays another really it's a unique clashing style of team. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you want to interact with us at all, all social media links will be in the description below. We will see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace. Steve!